The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. This time when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? It asked Balaam. You have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. So it's kind of a goofy, crazy, strange story of talking donkeys and uh, out-of-control prophet beating up the donkey on the road. Uh, We're going to have some fun with that today. Uh, I'd encourage you, uh, if you have a camera on your phone, which everybody does now, you're going to want to get it ready. I'm just telling you what's coming. You're going to want to be ready for that. Uh, Grant talked about the party going on uh, next week. If you're a party kind of person and like to host parties and give parties and set things up, we could use your help on that team. And then on Saturday night, if we have a bunch of kids and people showing up, we need a few more people to jump into kids' teams. So if that's something interesting for you and you like kids, if you hate kids, probably join a different team. But if you like kids and would like to make a difference there, we could use your help on Saturday night uh, getting that moving ahead. Um, need to take a moment, though, today. It's kind of strange. The last 12 hours has been just kind of strange with... Uh, some difficult things going on in people's lives. Alex Lightsky, as a lot of you guys know, Alex, he's on our, been our facilities team here for 10 years, had some kind of heart event, heart attack last night. Now he's, looks like he's going to be okay. They've got him in there, put some stents in. He's okay, but that's going on. There's another thing with a family in town, little Landis is in a coma. He doesn't go to our church, but people in our church know this family. That's going on. We got guys that have had surgery stuff, just stuff going on. It feels like it's all bubbled up in the last three or four days. So rather than just kind of go, well, let's pray about that someday, or we'll say the typical thing Christians do, hey, I'll pray about that for you. We're going to take a moment right now and just pray for that. So you can pray to yourself in your own heart and spirit. Listen long as I pray. Take a moment here and just pray. Jesus, today, for these situations that are going on, in some cases, God, they need doctors and medical staff with wisdom. God, they need peace and perseverance to get through stuff that's going on. And then in several of these situations, God, I'm asking you for the miraculous intervention of what Jesus made possible when he died and rose again, that you would step into these situations and provide gifts of healing and supernatural intervention that goes beyond anything. God, to wake up this little girl who's in this coma right now, to restore people back to health. Uh, I don't know all the things going on, God, even amongst us today, but whatever we need today, for those of us who are struggling with things that feel like we're just not going to make it, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. We will do counseling. We will do therapy. We will do community. We'll do church. God, at some point, if you don't step into some of these situations, they're not going to make it. So we're asking you to do what only you can do. God, now as we take our attention now to this goofy, crazy story. God, we don't want it to be a quirky, great, crazy, goofy story about a talking donkey. We need to learn something from this for our lives, for this moment, 
that you have us in today. So just do that. Do what only you can do as we take a look at this story. Amen. Numbers chapter 22, Grant just read the famous part of this story, but there's a backstory to it about Balaam and the talking donkey. Uh, Balak is the king of, of a country called Moab. It's on the eastern border of what is today the nation of Israel. But at that point, Israel wasn't a nation yet. Other nations lived there. Moab was a big nation that was there. And Moab and all the surrounding nations that were Israel was coming out of Egypt uh, through the Passover, through the Red Sea. What's happened now is there are probably historians will tell us at least a million people moving through the desert. Now we hear a million people go, okay, a million people. No, think about like, like a baseball game or a football game where there's 50, 60, 70,000 people. And now imagine 10 or 20 times that number of people all moving through the desert wilderness and the, you're going, oh my gosh, they're coming. And what the deal is, they've heard the stories of like they decimated the Egyptians. The Egyptians are the superpower of, of that day, De- flattened them, wiped them out. So they're going, well, what's going to happen here when they get to us? And so Balak knows these people are coming. He's freaked out about it. And so he goes, we have to get some more help besides just our military and our training. So there's a guy named Balaam who's famous. We find out about Balaam. Uh, in, at the end of chapter, at the end of verse four, chapter 22, verse four. So, so Balak, king of Moab, sent messengers to call Balaam, son of Beor, who was living in his native land of Pethor near the Euphrates River. And his message, he goes to tell him, look, there's vast words coming. I need you to do something. Balaam is famous. Balaam is 400 miles away from where Moab is. Now, in our world where we live and work today, 400 miles away, we get in a plane, we're there in 45 minutes, Right? With the internet, we could easily communicate, stuff like that. Back in those days, it would take you four weeks to send people up to get those people, to go get Balaam, and then four weeks to get back. So he's far away. He's that famous. Like we are deaf. We got to get somebody to help uh, take care of this vast horde that's going to come here and wipe us out. And they want to give Balaam some money, give him some cash to say, would you come and curse these Israelites? Curse these people because uh, we, we, don't, we don't stand a, ch- a chance against them. And evidently, Balaam's got a reputation that when he pronounces curses and he's in touch with God or the gods or some kind of power out there, when he does stuff, when he says stuff, stuff happens. Let's go get, let's go get him. We've got to pay that guy. So he shows up. Uh, and in verse, verse in, uh, the, the next few verses, it tells us that they show up there. They say, hey, we've got money for you if you come back with us. Balaam says, hey, I've got to talk to God about this. Look at verse 12. But God told Balaam, do not go with them. You are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up and told Balak's officials, go on home. The Lord will not let me go. So round one of this, he gets asked, and Balaam says, look, God told me, no, I'm not going to go. And what? people have tried to do with spirituality and religion for years and years and years is to say, well, what if we just raise the stakes a little bit? What if we paid you some more money? Would you come? And so they come back to him and say, hey, if we increase the ante, if we up the offer here, uh, if we give you a bigger contract, would you come and do this? And it says in verse 18, but Balaam responded to Balak's messengers, even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, 
which I think is sort of a little like, hey, maybe if there's even more, but who knows? He said, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God, but stay here one more night and I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. First thing to write down there on the note sheet in the back of your program, when God speaks clearly, you don't need to pray about it. Because you will pray yourself into a sense of, here's the crazy thing Christians say all the time when they do stupid wrong things. I just have peace about it because I prayed about it. When the Bible clearly says, do and don't do this, and when you go out and do that, come on, God made it very clear. You don't need to pray about that. Once God speaks clearly, there's no reason to keep going back and getting more wise counsel or finding somebody else who will back your play or pray yourself into a sense of peace because you're just going to pray a sense of peace over yourself trying to justify what you want to do. But it says there, that night God came to Balaam and told him, since these men have come for you, get up and go with them, but only do what I tell you to do. That theme is going to be repeated several times here. Only do what I tell you to do. Only say what I tell you to say. That's it. Nothing else. And so uh, Balaam takes off on his donkey. He tells us that God's angry that he's going, probably because he knows in what's in Balaam's heart, that he's just trying to work this thing. out. So God goes, I've got to get, really get his attention. I spoke to him clearly when he prayed about this. I told him, don't go. Do only what I tell you to do. Say only what I tell you to say. But he goes, that, this fool's not going to get it. So this is the thing that Grant just read for us. He's on his donkey. He's heading back there. And all of a sudden, uh, the donkey, you see the different things. The donkey lays down. And so, you know, we read the story and all that kind of thing. This is where you're going to get your cameras out and stuff like that. Imagine the scenario now where now Balaam is on the road there with his donkey, on the donkey there, and he's on the path there, and he's just kind of, what's going on here? This is the guy. Come on in. Um, And all of a sudden, he's got this donkey, this, oh, the donkey's being stubborn today, the pony. Oh, here he comes. Now, I know everybody's going, oh. Now, it's not a donkey, and it's not even a pony. I found out last night from people who work in the living horses and stuff, this is a miniature horse. Uh, and I, I'm not going to ride the horse, because that would be bad. We might have a, an injury here. But Balaam gets angry, because the, the, don- the donkey sees, sees the angel of the Lord. Now, the angel of the Lord in that, those days, the angel of the Lord is not just an angel. It's the angel. It's the son of God, the second person Trinity. So God shows up with sword drawn. Balaam can't see him. Donkey does. Donkey goes, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? And he runs off into the ditch. Balaam gets mad and finds something in the ditch and starts just smacking him and beating him. He's just angry at him and gets him back on the road, gets moved down the road again. The donkey sees the angel again, sees the son of God there in the path. And this time he, it's a really narrow path pins his leg up against the, the wall there and he gets mad. He says, now you hurt me, you stupid donkey. I just, I keep you around here. He starts beating him and I'm not going to reenact that part because we don't want an injury or stuff happening here. Beats the donkey. Finally gets the donkey going again and then they get to a place in the path where there's no way to get around. It's just the donkey sees the angel, sees the messenger of God right there. Boom. Donkey just lays down. And at this point, Ben has just had it. He gets his staff out and he just starts 
wailing on the donkey. You stupid donkey. I can't believe you did that. What do I keep you here for? I should just take you off and send you to the glue factory. You stupid, good-for-nothing donkey. Boom. Why do we keep you around here? Yeah, that's right. You did it three times, you big bully. You beat me so bad, you got God talking through me. We're reenacting something here. (laughs) And so Balaam flips out. Crazy thing is the donkey starts talking and Balaam doesn't go, whoa, 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 what's going on? You know what Balaam does? He talks back to the donkey. You want to think of who's really the donkey here. But anyway, it's a whole different thing. And, And so he freaks out and goes, you stupid donkey, you made me look like a fool and a moron. I'm so mad at you, I'm just, just hate you. Now listen, Balaam, the bully. Am I not your own donkey? Which you have always ridden to this day. Have I been in a habit of doing this to you? Well, what? no. Then what in the world has gotten into you, Balaam? Do you want to keep going? No. Then you got to got to try a little tenderness. <laughs> For all you Shrek fans, hey, thank you. Thanks, uh, Savannah and Stephanie and Christel. Give a hand. Our little miniature horse will be around afterwards, probably out in the plaza and stuff like there, and does really well. So the donkey lays down, and Balaam is so angry with him. Instead of saying, wait a minute... Wait a minute, maybe I should be, there's something going on here I didn't see. Maybe the donkey's, he freaks out on him when the, and answers back. And his interesting, his answer is, you made me look stupid. You made me look like a fool. You know why he made Balaam look like a fool? Because Balaam was a fool, is a fool. The reason Balaam felt stupid is because he was stupid. And uh, when I'm being a moron, when I'm being a fool, when I'm doing stupid wrong things, I can oftentimes miss the fact I'm pointing everybody else out there going, they're a moron, they're stupid, they're stupid, and don't miss the fact, you know who's the moron here? Me. Me. And and, and we have to be careful with this here. We can write people off who care about us, care about enough, care us. (laughs) Who care? When we're confronted by anything... We get embarrassed and we want to, to lash out. And so when a donkey, when donkeys start talking, listen, write this down, listen, don't lash out. But that's the crazy thing we do whenever we get confronted. Now, when everybody goes, you're awesome, you're beautiful, you're a cupcake, you're a snowflake, you're awesome, here's 10 trophies for you, whatever. We love that. When somebody cares enough about us to confront us, uh, I've done this a lot now for you know, 30, 40 years working with people, a pastor, made a church and stuff like that. Not one time have I ever had to confront somebody about something where they went, oh, thank you, Steve. That was so great. I'm so glad you shared that with me. It hardly ever goes well uh, because we get embarrassed. We'll lash out. Um, it's why from time to time, if nobody ever confronts you or challenges you about anything, you know why? Because they're afraid they're going to get beat. Now, maybe not physically abused and beat, but mentally, verbally, they get attacked, get canceled, get unfriended, posted about. 
all that kind of stuff. So some people go, this is not worth it. Proverbs talks about this. Uh, find the book of Proverbs in your Bible. Uh, is if you go to the middle of the Bible and find Psalms, the book of Psalms, you can find Proverbs. Proverbs talks about what it's like to deal with people like Balaam, who are jerks, idiots, and morons, who are fools. Proverbs 9, verse 7, it says this. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you. Proverbs 29, 9 says it this way. There's no use arguing with the fool. He only rages and scoffs and tempers flare. This is exactly the kind of thing that Jesus himself said when he said, don't cast your pearls before swine. He says, don't take what's valuable and put it in front of a bunch of pigs. What's going to happen? They're going to trample on the valuable things you're going to do for them. And what they're going to do to you, they're going to turn and trample on you. He said, it's a waste of time at times to confront a fool. And it's tricky. We're sometimes called to do that. We need to recognize, though, too, what's the crazy irony of this story is that uh, Balaam, kind of world-famous, regionally famous guy that has spiritual insight to connect with the God of the one God or the gods or supernatural power, you would think, okay, if anybody should be seeing what's going on here, would it be the donkey or would it be Balaam? You would think Balaam, right? Do you catch here? Balaam's totally blind to it. It's the dumb donkey that sees everything. It's interesting too. Uh, some of us from time to time feel like because of my past or because of my background or my experiences or my busyness or whatever, I don't know. I just, I can't really be used by God. I can all show up and kind of just be here and stuff like that. It's like, God can't really use me, can he? And, and the story of Balaam is going to teach us if God can use a donkey, you're better a donkey. You can use you. So it'll give you some confidence to go, look, God can use anybody, even donkeys. And then over the years from time to time, I'll get up here and deliver a message once in a while that's really, really good. You guys will even tell me about it. And I'll feel like, man, I just brought it today. I just nailed it. Today. I'm just ki- killing it. And then I'm reminded of this story. Because back in the day, when I grew up going to church, we used these Bibles called the King James Version. There was the these and the vows and all that. And in the King James Version of the Bible, when they ever talked about donkeys, they didn't call them donkeys. They called them asses. And as a junior high boy... And a, that was just funny. Like he said, ass in the Bible. It was just, it was fun. And, and so then I'm reminded by, by this that, look, Steve, look, you who think we're awesome and amazing being used by God. God spoke from Balaam's donkey. If he can speak from Balaam's donkey, he can speak through you. So don't think you're all that awesome or amazing. All that it kind of gives you a sense of level-headedness about yourself. It tells us, though, that even with the donkey speaking, he doesn't get it yet, that maybe I should be holding up, maybe I should do something different here. So look down in verse 31, chapter 22. After this encounter with the donkey, laying down, he beats him. The donkey has this exchange, talks with him. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. Sometimes hmm, it takes more than just a great message, a great band, a great program. It takes more than just saying, 
I'm going to go home and read my Bible. Guys, what you have to pray for all the time is God open my eyes. And it's not, in that case, obviously it was open his physical eyes. But understand here, if anything's ever going to happen in your life where you're going to see God break through, you have to say, God, open my eyes to help me really see. Give me new perspective on what's going on here. And this thing you pray for, for, hmm, for your children. You certainly have to have rules as parents and have boundaries and restrictions and all that. But the truth is, your kids are smarter than you. They just are. They just are. And you do things to think you're going to restrict them and have laws and, and they think it's going to change their heart. That's never going to do anything for them. Now, you still have to do it because you want to hold back the evil a little bit. You want to make sure they don't end up imploding or exploding their whole life. The truth is, guys, what you have to do is say, God, change their hearts. Help them open the eyes of their heart so they can see, really see here. Because once our, the eyes of our heart get opened, then all of a sudden living what we're supposed to do and obeying Christ and doing what he asks us to do is not like, well... If I have to, or how do I get off restriction, God? How do I avoid the punishments? Because I just want to. And until God opens our hearts to see him and really experience him, uh, nothing long-term is ever sustained. There's a great little story in the book of Second Kings. It's on your note sheet. We're not going to look at it in detail today. But it's another example of, of where from time to time, all we can see is the physical stuff around us. And we need to pray that God would open the eyes of our hearts to really see what's going on. Elisha and his servant are surrounded by an army that's come to get him because they don't like Elisha. He keeps, he keeps, uh, <laughs> he's like a covert guy. God keeps telling him to tell the Israelite army where the foreign armies are and they keep moving around. The king has had it. So he sends people, a whole contingent of his army, to kill Elisha and everybody with him. And they, the servant wakes up in the morning and goes, oh, we're surrounded, we're done, we're, we're doomed. And Elisha says, ah, oh, don't worry. There's more with us than with them. And the servant goes, the old man has lost it. There's three of us in the house and there's 500 of them out there. He's lost it. And then Elisha says, God opened his eyes to see. And when he says what he saw around him was the angelic forces, the angel armies by the hundreds of thousands, millions. There's way more on our side. And that guy's for you when you feel overwhelmed by things. From time to time, you do the same kind of thing. God, I'm so overwhelmed by stuff right here. And if I, can, if I just see my physical circumstances, that's all I can see. The thing I pray for you for, because here's the hard part. When you feel surrounded, when you feel overwhelmed, that's when you're tempted to compromise and give in to foolishness and stupidity and temptation and sin. We need God to open our eyes to really see what's really going on out there, that there's a God who's for you, not against you. And they say there's real power to stand up against that. So when... When you're challenged, when you're frustrated, you're wondering, I can't figure this all out, God. The next thing to write down here, when, God, when donkeys talk, ask God for donkey vision. Some of you are going, I want to I see the scriptures better. I want to read like this or pray like this. Dude, if we had just donkey vision, we'd probably solve a lot of problems in our world. If we could see how the donkey sees in this story, we're going to be better. So you don't need to worry about Oh gosh, I need to take 18 courses in biblical theology and all this stuff. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Bottom line, Jesus said, just have a mustard seed of faith. Just have donkey vision. And it's going to solve so many things for you. So, uh, Balaam feels like, okay, God, you told me not to go, but then you let me go. I, I, 
I, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. I'm just going to go back home. And God says, no, you can go. But then he has these two, these, these verses here. He says, and it's super important in your own Bibles, do something there to point this out, make a, make a note there, uh, make an arrow, underline it, whatever. He, he tells him in verse 35, go with these men, but say only what I tell you to say. Back in verse 20, he says, and do only what I tell you to do. The tricky part is we find ourselves in the real world. We think, okay, can't we just, come on. God doesn't expect that out of me. God says, no, no. Whatever I told you to say, whatever I told you to do, you're going to make a difference out there. You're going to save yourself from a lot of foolishness and sin and stupidity if you'll do what I tell you to do and say only what I tell you to say. And so he goes back with and meets up with Balak. Balak meets him there. And we, now we see four rounds of Balak demands, what Balak demands and what Balak gets. We're not going to read through these verses because there's a lot of them. Read through them yourself when you get a chance. But in round one, number one, uh, Balak shows up and he demands, he demands that uh, Balaam curse them, pronounce a curse on them. And so Balaam goes to God, what should I say? Just tell him what I say and I'll do it. Instead of getting a curse, you know what Balak got? Balaam blessed the, the nation of Israel. And Balak flies into a rage. He's so frustrated and angry. I'm so mad. I can't believe this stupid. And he was, what are you doing? And Balaam's response is, hey, look, pal, I'm just the mailman. I didn't write the mail. I'm just delivering it to you. you told, I'm, I can only tell you what God, God told me to do. And so then what religious people do, religious people do, and, and everybody's religious at some level. Here's what we try to do. We know what God says, but is there a way we can kind of do some little end run, some sideline thing, something that's kind of a little different to, to get out of like this requirement? So it tells us in round two, in verses 13 to 26, that it comes to Balaam and says, look, I know what God says. You can't curse the nation of Israel. But how about this? Let's live in the world. How about a, a partial curse? You're not, okay, you're going to follow God because you didn't curse the whole nation. But how about just a curse on just this little group over here? Can't we do that? What Balak demands is a compromise curse. This is like, we want to do, like, I want to sort of obey. I want to sort, I, 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 I mainly obey. And, and you can write this down, partial obedience is just disobedience. When God's really clear and you're trying to make, play fast and loose with the rules. And that's what Balak wants Balaam to do. And instead, what he got again was they blessed him again. And Balaam, Balak comes back to Balaam and says, if you won't curse him, at least don't bless him, pal. And Balaam once again says, look, I can say only what God tells me to say. If God gives me a blessing instead of a curse, I'm only going to do that. So then, chapter 23, look at verse 27. Then King Balak said to Balaam, come, I'll take you to one more place. Perhaps it'll please God to let you curse them from there. What, what he's doing now here is, okay, I can't do an outright curse and I can't do a whole compromise thing. Now he's going to do a manipulated curse. This is what we try to do is like, what if I just move the place and all these religious games people play to say, if I go up to the mountain or if I move you over here to the beach and well, I'll feel something in my heart and it'll maybe change the environment. We'll change there. And uh, once again, he got blessed again. The Israelites got blessed again by Balaam. Balak at this point is strike one, strike two, 
Strike three. He just goes, that's it. And demand number four he makes to Balaam is go away, leave us alone. And he's not going to pay him anything because I, I paid you to do this. You don't get him anything. Leave us alone. And as Balaam leaves, he goes, you wanted a curse, pal? You're going to get a curse. Only the curse ain't going to be on Israel. It's going to be on you. And the rest of the, in chapter 24, verses 11 and 25, he foretells the outcome of the nation of Moab. He says, you want a curse? You're going to get a curse. It reversed back on you. And that tells us at the end of chapter 24 that Balak went back to his country and Balaam got back on the donkey or something. Maybe the donkey's going, you ain't get back on me. But, and, and heads back home. And we think that's the end of the story. And okay, everything worked out great. The truth is, you read all your Bible and recognize that sometimes we, we put artificial place like endings and stories because there's chapters and verses. You guys know the chapters didn't come in for like three or four or 500 years after the thing was compiled in scrolls and being written about. The verses didn't even come again, didn't come into the Bible until like five, 600 years ago. So we'll read an artificial conclusion here that really isn't there because chapter 25 is going to tell us that, that the nation of Israel starts getting themselves in a mess. And we find out why they're in a mess. It tells us in, 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 Deut- in Numbers 31, verse 16, uh, that they're getting themselves in a mess. And it says they followed Balaam's advice is why they got in a mess. And what they were doing was engaged in idolatrous pagan orgy feasts and sexual immorality with the women of Moab. That was going on. That's what's going on, going on here in chapter 25. And you're going to, so what was Balaam's advice? Because we never see it here. But we know from other places in the scripture, you could, I've got other verses and references there, you can see it. But over in Revelation, we, we get a, a, a glimpse of what happens here. Revelation chapter 2. It's all the way in the back of your Bible. Find it there. Revelation chapter 2. John is writing a letter to a church in Pergamum who is compromising, who's playing fast and loose with stuff, going, what are you guys doing out here? Chapter 2, verse 14. He says, I have a few complaints against you. This is God talking to this church in Pergamum. You have, you tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. What happens here? Balaam's advice, and we don't ever see this in that story, but we know at some point there was a conversation. Maybe he's going, you know, I want to get paid here. And I couldn't curse Israel because God wouldn't let me, but Balak, come here. Let's go walk, talk over here quietly. God's not listening. You know how you get these people? Send in the girls. These, these, these guys have been in the desert wilderness. They have been intense. It's thrash and overwhelmed and dirty and nasty. Everybody's dirty and nasty. The Moabite women have been to the spa. They got the nice clothes and all that kind of stuff. He says, you want to get them? Send the women in. The men will not be able to withstand that temptation. And then what happens, they get involved in that and they get involved in eating food offered to idols. Now we hear, what's the big deal? It's just food. Understand something here. It's back in those days. We know this from biblical history and then history recorded outside the Bible as well, that when they talk about eating food sacrificed to idols, that was a euphemism for this thing where they were having a worship service and food was part of it. And most of the time it broke out into this crazy sexual immorality and bizarre, crazy stuff happening. No wonder the pagan religion is so popular 
because it's just sensuality and pleasure all you want. Just do whatever you want. And that's what was going on. And the surprise attack, he says, I can't. Here's what Balaam's advice was. Don't curse him, seduce him. Don't curse them, seduce them. Don't attack them, attract them. You don't have to go out there and attack them like that and, and get them to worship your gods and get involved in this immorality. In Numbers 25, it tells us that what happens is a plague breaks out and 24,000 people died in Israel because of, of their disobedience to God. It wasn't God striking them down, but this plague happens there. And then you want to read a crazy story. <laughs> Read number 25. There is a, a guy named Phineas in there. Just does, wow. We're almost going to make it part of the series. Here with, uh, I'm not sure I want to talk about this at church with, yeah, it's, it's pretty gross, pretty bizarre. We oftentimes, though, are just like the people of Israel. We worry about the curse and the attack of the world out there. They're after us. They're against us. They're writing things against us. Write this down today, guys. Our biggest threat is not external attack. It's internal seduction. We have an enemy coming against us. And all the time, people will say this kind of thing. This kind of thing. Uh, I've met with people over and over again over the years, and they'll talk about, man, Steve, I'm just being attacked right now. You know, the, the world out there and Satan out there is coming for me. And that's certainly true. We have an enemy of the culture that's aligned against us so much of the time. And we really believe in Satan and demons. There's, there's spiritual attacks out there. But then I often hear, most every time I hear the story and go, look, pal, it's not the world doing that to you, and that's not Satan doing it to you. You're jacking your own life up. Satan goes, I can go mess somebody else because you're just making a fine mess out of your own life because your heart gets seduced by the stuff that's out there. I wonder today, here's some questions. There, there's not any place, I didn't put them, fill in the blanks on your note sheet, but four questions that come out of what we just looked at, this crazy, strange, but true story of Balaam and the donkey uh, number one, has God spoken clearly and you're still asking him about it? Has God spoken to you clearly and you're still trying to find a way to wriggle around and get out of what God has specifically said? Uh, <laughs> and then I wonder today, is a donkey trying to show you something? And it's not your donkey, it's not your horse, but you know who your donkey, you know have donkey people in your life, don't you? You know the donkey people are for some of you in your life? It's that coworker, like, oh gosh. It's it, this is not the case in my marriage at all. But in some of your marriages, you know who that donkey is for you sometimes? The person you're married to, from time to time, they're being a, they feel like they're being a donkey, so stubborn and ridiculous right now. Uh, sometimes you know that donkey is gonna be your eighth grade son or daughter. And you go, what right do they have to tell me anything? And they're going to call some stuff out in you and they're going to say some stuff that needs to be paid attention. You can go, ah, come on, you're just trying to go away and leave me alone. You can just write them off or lash out at them because you don't like what they're saying. Number three, how do you respond when people care enough to confront you? When people care enough to confront you, how do you respond? Like I said, nobody ever responds well the first time. When somebody calls you out on your stuff and on your nonsense, on this, it's not even always just black, black and white, right and wrong kind of stuff. Sometimes it's just sin and stupidity. Like, it's just stupid and foolish. Like, what are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. And they call you out on that. The reason we don't like it is because they made me feel stupid. The reason they made you feel stupid, newsflash, because you are. We have a tendency in our heart and our soul 
of, of, our, own, of our own inclinations to do, to do some things. And that's why you need people around you. So we do small groups here. Why we do things where you get to know some people here. So there's people around you that can know you well enough and, and know that they care about you and, and say, hey, what's going on there, pal? But how do you tend to respond? If you're not careful, if every time you just dismiss it, people will, you will lose the benefit of people calling you out on your stuff and helping you avoid some things that will wreck or ruin your marriage, your finances, your, your, your job, whatever it might be. So it's not easy when somebody says, hey, we got to have a conversation with this and talk about it. But instead of lashing out, maybe sit there and just do nothing and just listen for a bit. And then number four, where are you being covertly attacked and seduced by the culture and the world around us. And I was tempted to come up with a whole list of things that are attacking you and seducing you. Here's what I know about attack and seduction. Most of the time when it's going on, we just don't see it. The obvious stuff, oh, I can pay attention to that out there. But you guys, if you do this, like if you put your finger right here, you guys can all see this right now, right? And this finger is like right here. I can't see it. We've all got blind spots. So the guys, maybe the prayer today is God open the eyes of my heart to see you and to see what's going on out there so I don't jack my own life up. God, help me see some things going on. The band's going to come up. And that's what the, the spirit of our, 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 we're going to worship today and sing these songs today. And as we do this, the, the point of as we do these songs together is to help us, is to help us get the eyes of our hearts open because far too many of us have a lot of facts and content up here. We heard a goofy, crazy story today. We kind of like it, whatever. Until that moves from here into here, where God's opened the eyes of my heart. So you pray, God, open the eyes of my heart to really see you, to sense you. God, open my eyes to this, the, the stuff where there's some pitfalls out there and there's some stuff I'm, I'm making, I'm, I'm, I'm dancing around with some stuff. You may have come in today needing prayer for something. That prayer might be for just problems in your life, physical, emotional, mental, family kinds of things. And it may be some of the things we talked about today. Like I, I got some stuff where I've been compromising, where I need to get, I just need to go fess up some of that stuff. Our prayer team's in the back of the house. And as the lights go down, we sing these songs. I encourage you to go there and sit and let them pray for you about whatever that is that's going on in your heart and soul and mind today. And then finally, we give you a chance every single week here at Crosspoint to take a moment and receive communion. It's bread and juice, symbolizing the crucified body of Jesus and his blood that was spilled that makes all of this possible. It's not about your obedience. It's not about you're awesome and amazing. You sucked it up and God wanted to pick a winning team, so he chose you. We're all a bunch of losers. We're all a bunch of stuff. We had sin and problems in our life. And I was just, this week, it occurred to me, I've been a Christian now most of my life. Grew up in a Christian family. A lot of us have been Christians for a little while, a long while. But here's the deal. In the West, in America especially, even if you don't go to church, you've heard the story of Jesus. Because we have holidays, Christmas, and Easter. You know, it's about Jesus. They were born and the donkey and they went to Bethlehem and stuff like that. You know, Easter's about the crucifixion. You see it everywhere. And what can happen for me sometimes is I get so used to hearing it 
and say, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, rose again the third day. What's for dinner? Maybe the moment today is to take a moment with that communion and take it in your hands. And say, God, would you open the eyes of my heart again to behold how stunning and amazing what it was that you did on that cross 2,000 years ago. That you saved me from my sin. Not because I was awesome, but because you are. And so Jesus, today, as we pray, as we sing, as we receive communion, open, open the eyes of my heart. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.